Hello and welcome to the Manchester Big Red Podcast. My name is Stephen Wilson and I am your host today. We are recording on Monday afternoon after Manchester United defeated Fulham 2-1 at Craven Cottage. But we've just been laughing. Oh, there was a game at the weekend. United did win. That's not the biggest story, of course. We'll come on to that in a second. Tyrone, I'm joined with you today and Rich. How are you, Tyrone? Uh, I'm good. Thank you, Stephen. Yes, very good. Uh, pleased in a way that Cristiano Ronaldo has at least given us some talking points. Uh, during this World Cup break. And I've got a feeling this one could spin out for quite a long time. It's been going on for a while and it's an even bigger talking point today. So, Rich, how are you? Yeah, same as Ty there, really. I mean, we say it was the ill-timed interview, but for a week that looked very boring and dull, it might have just <laughs> saved us ourselves ahead of the World Cup. So, yeah, a lot to get into. And like you said, hard to remember that United actually played and won at the weekend as well. Of course. And I mean, for any of the listeners out there, if you were somehow in a coma or asleep for the last 24 hours, Cristiano Ronaldo has done an interview with Piers Morgan, uh, an exclusive interview, and he's been very critical of Manchester United. Um, he said that he's got no respect for Eric Ten Hag. He's criticised Wayne Rooney, uh, Ralph Ranick, as well analysing this podcast. So, Ty, when we all saw Piers Morgan put that tweet out, I think it was around half nine, saying that there was something coming at 10 o'clock, we thought, OK, What's this going to be? However, I don't think we expected it to be that explosive, did we? So what was your reaction initially? Because it is remarkable, his comments and what he's come out and said, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I first saw it retweeted because thankfully I do not follow Piers Morgan and don't intend <laughs> to start now. Um, but yeah, it, it was explosive stuff, really. I mean, Piers Morgan had said it's explosive, but he was always going to say that. But from what we've seen, it is, it is pretty incredible and and. It's, I mean, entirely fanciful, really. It's, I mean, it's hard to make too many judgments before you see the whole thing, I guess. But the idea that he's been shown no respect by Ten Hag, which is why he doesn't respect him, is just laughable. It's complete nonsense. Um, Ten Hag has been very respectful of Ronaldo, too respectful, arguably, this season, given what Ronaldo has done um, and the way he's gone about things. And it just it's just incredible really that it, it's egotistical it's self-centered it's just everything you kind of expect from Ronaldo you know the stuff about Rooney it's like being in a school playground it's pathetic it's absolutely pathetic um and just you know it, it's just petty it the timing from a United point of view is awful his teammates should be furious the club should be furious and it I think it's just gone down very very badly and you know, Piers Morgan was on TalkSport this morning talking that Ronaldo loves the club and loves the fans. Well, the fans don't love him anymore. It is That relationship has well and truly finished. He has burned his bridges. And I just, I don't see what he's getting out of it. They, you know, they, he clearly wants to leave the club, but by the end of January, by the end of the summer window, United are happy to let him go. I think it speaks volumes that privately Ten Hag changed his mind within a couple of weeks of working with him from I want him to stay to let him go. The hard, uncomfortable truth for Ronaldo is that the only offer was from the Saudi Pro League and he didn't want to go. So that that is the reality. It's not United stopping him from moving. He is not good enough anymore to attract a club that wants to pay the salary he is on. And that's just the reality of it. If he wants to leave in January, he's going to need to have a very good World Cup to attract interest. Or he's going to have to accept life in the Saudi Pro League or, or somewhere like that. He scored three goals this season, two of them against Sheriff, one of them a penalty. He doesn't deserve to be in that team. He's not being treated disrespectfully. He just doesn't deserve to be in the team. And I've done a piece at lunchtime saying Ten Hag is, is picking a team on merit. And what Ronaldo needs is a team picked on reputation. And that's not the way of, thing, way of things anymore at United. Teams are picked on merit. 
picked on players who deserve to be in that team. Ronaldo doesn't deserve to be in that team. And that's the uncomfortable truth for him. Um, and yeah, I, I just think it's it's a bizarre way to go about things, really, when when you look at, in terms of disrespect and things like that, he, he's the one that's been agitating for a move this summer. He's the one who left a friendly early. Caveat there, there was other players who also left that Ficano game early. He refused to come on against Tottenham. He left the ground early against Tottenham. United have bent over backwards to, to make him happy since they signed him. They only signed him because he was trying to sign for City. They gave him the number seven shirt when Cavani already had it because he wanted the seven shirt. It, it, there was times on the Ranić where they played two up front because he wanted to play two up front. He's had absolutely everything he wants at this football club. And the reality now is he's not good enough anymore. He's not good enough to be in the team. And that is why he's thrown his toys out of the pram. And, and that's just... He's going to have to accept that because it's hard to see where he goes in January beyond the Saudi League, where where he still plays in at the elite level in Europe. It's another tantrum, isn't it? He's had a few this season. Um, it's his latest tantrum, as you say, for his toys at the pram. It really was explosive, Richard. Really explosive interview. A bombshell of an interview. Um, and obviously, the full thing's not even out yet. There's still more to come. That was just a teaser, really. We'll get to see more on Wednesday and Thursday, I believe. So we were kind of given our reaction. But if you kind of put yourself in that changing room, Rich, Obviously, they've paid Fulham. Um, they're on the bus back or whatever. They've just got back to the houses and that comes in the WhatsApp group or they're getting that fed through. So what is the reaction? And what are the players thinking to this? It's just a circus, isn't it? And he's pulled the pin out of the grenade and just walked away. He doesn't have to deal with this now for a month and a half. It depends on how well Portugal do at the World Cup. I think they play a friendly game on Thursday against Nigeria. Uh, in the, I think, you know... So if he's involved in that, he might be able to be in Portugal. He gets another week of having to deal with that. And you know, from United's point of view, their hands are tied to a degree now because they can put out a statement and say, you know, Ronaldo, we need to deal with this internally. We'll have to speak to Ronaldo once he's done at the World Cup. But it's just everything's on hold, really, it seems, in, until he, he does return, if he ever does return. And if you were a United teammate of him, you would be so, so angry. You've just had, OK, it wasn't a pretty performance, but you just had a, a good win, a real good springboard going into the the World Cup break. He showed signs of progress. It looked like he might have overcome the previous issues of Ronaldo already in the season. And like Ty said, he's just been detrimental to the to the whole work ethic. And he goes against everything. He contradicts everything that Eric Ten Hag stands for. His comments are badly timed and, and needless. And, and the other sort of big problem is he's not backing it up. If he was scoring all the goals and he still was the star man, the key man of the United side, then you could understand a bit more why he'd still be frustrated, but he's still got other means and other ways to orchestrate orchestrate these views. He's had opportunities to you know, speak post-match, do it in build-up to games. He can be vocal and say he wants change at the club, say that the standards have slipped. But, you know, the whole reason United signed him was because they were poorly run. You know, that's the whole reason he ended up at the club. So he is a sim- he symbolises all the issues at the club, that they were throwing plans out the window, just knee-jerk reactions, going for commercial gains rather than footballing ones. And they ripped up their footballing blueprint under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to sign Ronaldo and then shoehorn him in and to pander to all his needs and to get everything that worked for him. And, you know, he he did make a point that United have lacked investment and meaningful, meaningful overhaul of the training ground, but they've started to address those issues. And every United fan knows that it's a long process under Ten Hag, but they are getting somewhere. There is strides being made and it's not going to be a quick fix. And Ronaldo, again, is not a long-term player who can fit into that vision. 
he should have gone. He had all summer to say he wanted to leave. He timed it poorly before the start of pre-season. And as Ty said, nobody wants him. Nobody wants him. And why would they want him now? He is such a problem. I know last season was all about, is he a problem or a problem solver? Yes, he scored goals, but he made the team worse. And this season, he's just been so negative and such a, a distraction from what is happening at United. There has been a few good sort of moments of progress. It looks like they've got a clearer vision of, of play. You know, Sunday was a day that Garnacho, an academy product, scores the winner in the Premier League to keep up those top four hopes. And then it's just undermined by Ronaldo instantly. And United need to get rid of him. He needs to, to leave himself. It's the, it's just what needs to happen in the new year. We've said it before. But as Ty said, who would want him? Because you might say, oh, you know, it's Ronaldo. But he he doesn't guarantee goals anymore. What he guarantees is a massive wage and the attention will be on him. And I don't know what team would want that. I, I just do not know who would want Ronaldo right now. And it's maybe a stretch to say he's going to ruin his United legacy because he's, for a lot of fans, he still symbolises so much and there's still so much that he achieved at the club. But certainly, he's really tainted it in, in recent years. And these last two years will not be considered a success by any means. Ronaldo wouldn't get a game for Wrexham, would you, Rich? Not a chance, no. Not, not a Mullen chance. And the number seven shirt's taken as well, so... <laughs> Super Paul Mullen, he's banging in the goals, isn't he, at the, in the conference at the moment. Uh, Ty, if I take you to June, back this summer, as Rich has just talked about there, and we'll kind of we'll break down his behaviour this season. Um, obviously, he indicates that he wants to leave. He expresses that. He returns to pre-season late. Um, he comes and plays against Vallecano, and he describes himself as the king the night before. We had a feeling that would get under Ten Hag's skin. And as you've mentioned, he obviously leaves the game at half-time. The caveat is, yes, I think it was a Dallow with him as well who left, but... Ten Hag still contend that behaviour. And then Tottenham, the outburst, and obviously suspended for Chelsea. So when you break it down like that, and you you know, you lay it bare, and he's saying he's the one being disrespected. How how can he say that? It's unbelievable, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. And there's gonna to have to be an awful lot more meat on the bones on on Wednesday or Thursday compared to what we've seen now for him to actually justify that, because it is very hard to see how how that's the case. The timing of the leak in the summer which was quite clearly linked, leaked from Ronaldo's camp to a journalist they talked to a lot. It's it's not hard sometimes to put two and two together. Came on the eve of, of turning to pre-season training, on the eve of Ten Hag's first pre-season training. The timing couldn't have been any worse for Ten Hag or United on that occasion. He was a talking point during the tour. It, it should be said he missed that tour for, for what were legitimate personal reasons and He's clearly raised that in the interview that he didn't think he got enough support from United. It's difficult to comment on that without knowing the details and, and whether he goes into specifics. But he was given a lengthy time off. And it should be said he's clearly had a very difficult year personally off the pitch. But that's no excuse to go and basically lob a grenade at your employers, like Rich said, when, especially when you're the best paid employee that club's ever had. And it does... It just doesn't make any sense, this whole disrespect thing. He he is the one that has disrespected the club and disrespected Ten Hag this season. It's hard to see how he changes that narrative. I mean, it's going to be fascinating to see how he does because the you know the, the, the choice of interviewer, I think, gives gives a lot away. Piers Morgan is a, is a sycophant, isn't he? He's a social media sycophant when it comes to Ronaldo. He's completely obsessed with him. His, his two biggest gets over the last few years are Donald Trump and Ronaldo. That's not a, a group you want to be in, really. And Morgan's a sycophant when it comes to both of them. On TalkSport this morning, he, he explained Ten Hag's disrespect by talking about him not coming on against Man City when Ten Hag actually said it was he didn't want to disrespect his career. 
and then said he then asked him to come on against Tottenham when they were losing, when they were winning that game. I mean, presumably Ronaldo was aware they were winning that game, but Piers Morgan's argument makes absolutely no sense at all because he's basically saying Ten Hag went back on what he said against City by asking him to come on against Tottenham when they were losing. It was, it was their best performance of the season, so that is not the reason he didn't come on. Presumably, he's not said that in the interview. Maybe he hasn't said it. And let's be honest, I doubt Piers Morgan has legitimately challenged him on that. I think we'd all be surprised if Piers Morgan's legitimately challenged him on anything. Um, and it, it, again, in that in that talks point interview, Piers Morgan says um, that, that Ten Hag has, has publicly berated him and scolded him all season. He hasn't publicly berated him once. In fact, he's been very, he's praised him an awful lot when he, he hasn't really deserved it. And I've been in countless press conferences this season where we've been trying to get him to publicly berate him. So I can tell you from first-hand experience that he hasn't done. He's never bitten when he's had enough opportunity to do so. He criticised him for not coming on against Tottenham, rightly so. He criticised him for leaving a friendly early, rightly so. But he's not criticised him for anything else. In fact, he's always said he's going to be a big player for the team. So what Ronaldo's saying makes no sense. What Piers Morgan's saying makes even less sense. Um, it, it kind of makes you wonder what the content of this interview actually is when when Piers Morgan can go on radio and and talk out the wrong hole, basically, when, and get things so factually incorrect that it, it makes you wonder what the content of this interview are and how much research he actually did, whether he just turned up and said, what do you want me to ask you? Which is is probably more likely. He's not exactly the, you know, he's not he's not the interrogator that, that everyone wants. Is there is a reason Donald Trump and Ronaldo chose him for for soft soap questions? So, so yeah, I can't remember the question you asked next. <laughs> but yeah, there's um, there's absolutely you know it, it's difficult to imagine a scenario where he explains a, a coherent case on Wednesday as to why he's the one that's been disrespected here. And Piers Morgan and talk sport are a match made in heaven, aren't they? Yeah. Piers yeah. Morgan going on there this morning. Richard, if we kind of talk about his performances then, because you just talked about it in your previous answer. Um, three goals this season, two against FC Sheriff. One was a penalty, one was a rebound. He obviously scored against Everton, and to be fair, that was a great finish. But as you've just said, he's simply not been good enough this season. He hasn't deserved to start. So as it's become clear this season, I think... Is it just a case of United are simply better without Ronaldo on the pitch? And will it be a bit of a relief for Ten Hag maybe when he sees this interview and goes, you know what, it's coming to an end now, he's, he's, he's leaving? Uh, yeah, I mean, the final straw. I mean, it's the last of his last chances, isn't it, now, Ronaldo? That just has to be it. And I think, like I said, United will benefit from him moving on and he'll benefit from going to a club if he finds one that can you know, sort of cater for him and, and let him indulge himself. But yeah, he, Ronaldo's just not been good enough. That's been maybe the, the biggest gripe of all this is that he's just not been good enough. He's been doing all this talking off the pitch, not on it this season. You know, there's been some real good performances for United. They've got this new team ethos. There's a greater sort of desire for controlling style of play. We've seen when Marshall's been involved that United have looked like they've got a lot more purpose. That was even the case at Fulham, even though Marshall had a bit of an off day. They just looked a lot more coherent when they did attack. And Ronaldo is just... You know, a square peg in a round hole. He has been offside so many times this season. I know Ty used the line that he looks like a 37-year-old striker. He does look way past it now. He looks from like he's from a different era. And he just has this sort of entitlement on the pitch. He's not putting in the dirty work and doing the hard stuff that you have to, to get the goals. We saw in midweek against Villa, Marshall scores that tap-in. You don't get much credit for that. But so often the season we've been saying, oh, if Ronaldo was on the end of that, or if they had a striker in a six-yard box, they'd be getting these easy goals. Ronaldo hasn't even been there. When you watch him, he's, he drops back, he drifts out wide. He's so hardly 
playing between the goalposts. He's just looked completely off it and just, yeah, it's it's like he's sort of playing these soccer performances at times. It's just not good enough for United whatsoever. And that's why there's got to be so little sympathy towards him because he's just been a drain in this United team and they do look so much worse with him. It's been like playing with 10 men at times. He just looks so disinterested and just looks disjointed from it. And you've got, you know, United functioning as 10 players and then there's Ronaldo. Ronaldo seems to be an extra, extra person in, in this whole act. So I think it is just going to be so much for the best for United and just for them to move on. It's just this endless circus, really, that's, that's been following them. And, you know, they've had it in the past with players where they've always been the story, whether they're playing or not. And you just need to get rid. There comes a time where you've just got to get rid. And like Ty said, Ten Hag has... The, the only mistake Ten Hag's done has been by indulging Ronaldo and, and keep on giving him these chances. He made him... It, it, I mean, it was a week after he'd been captain against Villa. He then comes out with this interview. I mean, it's total disrespect from Ronaldo's point of view, but... United have maybe been guilty of giving him these extra chances because it's been clear since the start of the summer that he just had to go. And they they had this initial chance just to rip up his contract and let him go, let him be a free agent, just get rid. And I know there's the principle there that some fans might say, well, just put them in with the under-21s, make them go to Lee Sports Village and sit on the bench or something. <laughs> you know, just like give them the ultimate punishment. But I think from United's point of view, they just need to get rid and move on. And it's so much healthier if they do. And again, it's just so annoying because... There was so much positivity at the end of, of that win at, at Craven Cottage and then quickly it was all forgotten about. And what should have been you know, the start to a week of United fans feeling confident and like their team were on the right tracks just feels like they're going around in circles again. I mean, come on, Rich. No one deserves the, the sports village there on the bench in, a, in December. Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe it's not that bad. But uh, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, put him in the Morrison's Cafe or something. Just uh, just, just get him, get, him, get him to Lee. Get him to Lee. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Ty, in, in terms of how Ten Hag's handled this, um, it's really been a masterclass, I think. It's such a, a tricky situation. It has been since he came in the club. Five Ballantyne Ballon d'Or winner, one of the biggest names in football, considered by a lot of people as the greatest ever to play the game. And he's really handled this well, hasn't he? Because it's, it's really not easy to handle a situation like this. No, he, he has handled it very well and he was very strong after the um, the Tottenham game in, in terms of his approach there. My one criticism would be making him captain at, at Aston Villa. Yeah. I thought that was strange at the time. And to have made him captain 18 days after he refused to come on as a sub sends the wrong message, I think. Um, other than that, it, it has been it has been textbook, really. And the way he dealt with that and the strong way he dealt with it was was very good. It's not easy to tell a player like Ronaldo that, that you're not involved in a squad and, and you're being punished in this way. So he has... He has handled it very well, aside from that that captaincy aberration. I mean, I guess he, he had to come back into the team. I think that was his longest, I think that was four successive starts, four 90 minutes in a row after that Villa game. And United was short of options. He probably had to come back in the team, really. But but making him captain just 18 days afterwards, I did think, sent the wrong message. That is the one area or the one the one thing I think Tanaga's got wrong in all of this, especially when he, he remains so influential in that dressing room. You look at how much Garnacho looks up to him and the issues United have had with Garnacho. I'm not sure you're necessarily sending the, the right message with that, but Ten Hag's handling of it has been excellent. But I mean, the issue for United is, is what they do now. And it, this is a, hu a hugely delicate one to to balance out in terms of what route they go down. And, and I guess it's difficult for them to do much before Wednesday and Thursday when we see the full interview. I guess there's obviously more coming. Piers Morgan has just tweeted, I've seen on a retweet again, um, about him, he talks about the Glazers and that's coming out tonight. There's obviously going to be a lot more drip fed. It's clearly going to hog the headlines every night between now and 
Thursday. It's absolutely not what United need. And I very much doubt they're going to be looking to respond to it night after night after night. So, like, and like Rich says, there's no rush to, to necessarily come to a judgment. But how Ten Hag handles it now is, is going to be a, a tricky one. But in a way, I think I, I put this in a piece at lunchtime. I think in a way, Ronaldo kind of done him a favour. And it, it, what he's doing is a backhanded compliment because that dressing room needed a strong leader. And in Ten Hag, it's, it's got a strong leader. The, the player power era is coming to an end slash over. And what, what Ronaldo wants is, is the ability to influence team selection and to get in a team on reputation alone. And, and he's not getting that off Ten Hag. And I think, if anything, he's shining a light on what Ten Hag has, has bought to United and why United got the right man, because he's he's treating him essentially the same as, as every other player, really. And that's, you know, that Ten Hag, Ronaldo doesn't think he deserves that. He thinks he deserves special treatment. So I think this is actually, bizarrely, it might not feel like it now when we're in the eye of the storm, but it might actually help Ten Hag and, and sort of shine a light on, on the good things that Ten Hag is is doing. And it might it might even strengthen that spirit in the dressing room if they all feel that they've been wronged and, and that they're they're on Ten Hag's side, they're on the club side. It, it might even work out well in the long run. Before we move on to the comments that he was praised for, um, because there's a lot of glazes out Harkin fans on I see on social media some of my timeline that were obviously delighted at his comments about the facilities and whatnot. Um, I thought we'd just discuss his legacy for a moment, Rich, because uh, I think I tweeted saying it's, it's probably been shattered now. Um, it's hardly going to be a statue of him next to the Holy Trinity outside Old Trafford after he's behaved like this, is it? Oh, so it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because you've got to look at those two spells. And, and the first, what was it, six years, he was the club. He was so successful. It was three Premier League titles, Champions League, FA Cup, two League Cups, Club World Cup, Ballon d'Or. You know, he, he did bring so much to the club. And again, he's one of those players who he arrived as a hopeful teenager and left as the world's best player. And, you know, that is a huge, you know, he sort of summed up what United could do at, at that time. But the, the problem, I suppose, with Ronaldo is the problem that United had under Solskjaer. It's that it is all nostalgia and living in the past, isn't it? And you can look back and there is a time to do that and reflect on it. And, and Ronaldo is one of the United greats. There's, there's no two ways about that, arguably maybe not United's best ever player from his time at the club, but the best ever player who has also played for Manchester United. So it is a really tricky one. United have had players in the past who have obviously come out and, and tarnished their legacy, maybe to a degree. Obviously, Roy Keane was axed by the club. You saw the way David Beckham left in Wayne Rooney, wanted to leave for, for Chelsea. You know, But these players are still highly regarded by the club. And you know, it, it's difficult. I, I don't think it has completely ruined his entire legacy. And you see on social media how many fans that still still love him and how the players, and like you said, the youngsters there look up to him. And I think so many United fans do as well. And there's particularly a generation who grew up idolising United and Ronaldo. Lots of fans who will have supported Ronaldo more than they do United as well. So, you know, whenever you mention his name, it brings the tedious, messy comparisons and debates, which just make me feel sick, to be honest. But... You know, I, I don't think it's going to go to the degree where he's going to ever completely tarnish his, his legacy. I do think fans and lots of the match-going ones are just sick of him. They want him to leave. But in a way, once he's left, that's when they can look back at his whole career at United and, and maybe judge it fairly. It is, it is difficult now. Feelings are very raw. But he achieved so much at the club in that first spell. And if you look at that first spell, it's unanimous success. If you look at the second spell, it's just been been the, the, the bad decisions that United make really and again it was one of those decisions that Solskjaer made 
purely for nostalgia, really. You might as well have just put Premier League years on while he was at it and got Vodafone back on the front of the shirts because there was no reason for, for him for him to come. And yeah, it's certainly going to, I think, affect the, the lasting impact because when United fans think most recently of Ronaldo, it is going to be of these sulks and these strops. But there's so much back catalogue of, of good memories for Ronaldo that I don't think he'll ever get to the stage where he's completely sort of ruined his legacy by any means. He is still, I would say, a club legend for United and, and lots of fans will, will still feel strongly about that. And like you said as well, there's still going to be a core demographic who feel that Ronaldo's done the right thing by calling out the owners and calling out the, the drop-in standards because there is, at the smallest pinch of salt, he has made a point that United haven't been good enough, but he knew all about these problems. He could have phoned Bruno Fernandes. He could have phoned Diogo Dallo. He could have just turned on the news. He could have gone on Twitter. Everyone knows United haven't been good enough for the last decade. The thought of Ronaldo walking in and just expecting them to suddenly be title challengers again is is just beyond disbelief. What did he expect United were going to be like when he came back? It was just so naive from him. And surely his advisors would have told him that as well. I just don't see the sort of logic and the weight behind some of these arguments because... I get the infrastructure, but they've invested in Carrington. They're slowly making improvements there. You know, ever since he complained about the jacuzzi, the swim pool, they have redone that. They've they've sorted that out already. So what else can he really complain about? United are making those steps. It has been bad between his two spells at the club, but they're at least trying to take that on board and, and make change now. And it just feels unnecessary. But what did he expect? I just don't know what he expected to walk into. Just a quick side point, a bit off topic. Can either of you remember when people started supporting football players instead of football clubs because Ronaldo's got a fanatical, obviously, because yeah, he's Ronaldo, yes. but it's weird, isn't it? It's so strange. You see that oh, kind yeah. of following come out. I suppose it's like the modern football fans who support transfers more than they support <laughs> football as well and just live for the summer and the winter windows. But yeah, it's just so toxic. And I think I think it just reflects the modern world that you've got to either be a hard... yeah, You've got to be hard one way or, or the other. Do you know what I mean? You've got to have a strong opinion and you can't really have these... I like Messi and Ronaldo. That, that's yeah. not apparently that's not an opinion. You've got to be in one camp, haven't you? Which is just crazy. You look at that clown that was on Sky's coverage yesterday, dressed in United <laughs> kit, who'd gone to watch gone to watch Ronaldo and tweeted later saying he went to a Ronaldo game and he wasn't playing. You, you didn't go to a Ronaldo game, mate. That's not how football works. Yeah. You I mean, can watch Tottenham Sky and go watch the Harry Kane team if you wanted, but maybe not. <laughs> only only Pep <laughs> does that. Yeah. But yeah, it's just it's 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 remarkable, it's isn't the it? Way, unfortunately, isn't it? But I guess we've got to give a shout out to the Tyrone Marshall fans who are tuning into today's podcast, <laughs> don't we? So. Big, big love, Hi. big love. Hi, mum. <laughs> yeah, that that influence says he's uh, he's insufferable in his high. He was at the match at Craven Cottage. Oh, it really is, really yeah, is horrendous. Yeah. Um, Richard's just kind of talked about the facilities there, Ty. So I'll not bother asking you about that. But <laughs> I did think Ronaldo's comments about Ranjik were, were quite interesting. And I'll be honest, Ty, I found it hard to disagree. Uh, we kind of said it at the time last season. Um, you know, we're in this industry, we knew who Ranjik was. But to the ordinary football fan, they might have knew who he was. And I think you made the point a few times, Ty, you said, look, in any industry, if you're working under a boss that, you know, is in over their head, a bit underqualified, you're not going to be motivated. And that was the case when Ranjik was at the club, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And Ronaldo says he's never heard of him. I don't know if that's true or not, but you it, you can certainly imagine it because it, it might seem to people who pay close interest to football and who read a lot about football, we'd all heard of him. But for, for players who are at a training ground every day and so heavily involved, sometimes they go home and don't want to know about football. Sometimes they go home and watch Bluey with their kids or play <laughs> golf or, or do something different. So the fact that they haven't heard of 
Red Bull sporting director shouldn't come as, as that much of a surprise, really. And I think there's quite a few players in that squad who, who didn't know who he was. And when they looked, weren't overly impressed. And when he turned up, were even less impressed. So it's, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit brutal, I guess, for Ronaldo to be calling it out in, in such an obvious way. But I think it is true. United got that appointment horrendously wrong. He was so, in, not inexperienced, he's a very experienced coach, but he'd only coached for two of the last 10 mm-hmm. years. Um, Piers Morgan said I talked about what he hadn't coached in the last 10 years, but it's another another Morgan inaccuracy, <laughs> which I think we might have to get used to. Um, yeah, Ronaldo does does kind of make a point there. And I think that appointment, <coughs> excuse me, as bad as last season started, that appointment, that short-term appointment, just made things an awful lot worse and made the dressing room worse. And, and I think he has got a point with that. And like I said, there was a good tweet from our colleague at The Independent, actually, Mark Critchley, earlier when, he, he tweeted the bit, the, the clip where he talks about since Alex Ferguson, there's been no progress. And uh, Mark said, do you think Cristiano Ronaldo might have guessed that little had changed at United when they came to him with the idea of re-signing Cristiano Ronaldo, which, <laughs> you know, does make perfect sense. And the fact is, and we're never going to know this, but I was I was saying this last season, even when he did pretty well. Well, he, he did very well, I guess, let's be honest. But I would, I would still like to see how last season pans out without Cristiano yeah. Ronaldo being signed because I don't think it helped Solskjaer in any way whatsoever. And the fact he scored 24 goals doesn't just mean it was doesn't mean it was the right signing. That isn't how football works because it's it's a team sport. You don't just slot the eleven best players in in the team. That's that's just not how it works. All parts have to click and Solskjaer was making some progress. Don't get me wrong, I don't think he was ever the right manager for United. He was in he was in above his head, but I don't think things would necessarily have been as bad if Ronaldo hadn't assigned because they had to rip up everything to, to fit him into the team. And in a way, maybe Solskjaer's compliance with, with everyone above him at United cost him that job because I don't, I'm still sceptical at the idea that he said, I want Ronaldo. I think when, when they presented it to him, he would have said, well, yeah, let's do it. He can't go to City, but a stronger manager, if that had been presented to Ten Hag, he'd have said no. And yeah. I think maybe a stronger manager would have done that. And I don't, you know, I, it would it would have been it would be interesting to see that that kind of experiment of what happens that season with without him as good as he was last season, I think it also in a way contributed to the way that the the season panned out. Well, Solskjaer's coaching in uh, Norway, isn't he at the moment, Richard? You did the line on that last week, so Ronaldo <laughs> might join him over there soon. Across, <laughs> across over, I, I have my doubts, but that leads us next. I wanted to round off that segment, Rich, really the Ronaldo bit, and I wanted to ask you about you know the next few weeks. Obviously, we have the World Cup, but what is your kind of best educated guest sorry about what's going to happen with his future we kind of just discussed it earlier in the podcast the only real concrete offer he had in the summer was obviously from Saudi Arabia um unfortunately for him Europe's top clubs just don't want him they're not interested um I thought it was interesting though, earlier on today or yesterday sorry Sporting Lisbon's manager I think the direct quote is everyone at Sporting likes Cristiano um financially obviously I'm not sure if they'll be able to afford them so how could you see his future kind of developing over the next month or so because is it possible, perhaps, you could get released from his contract? Is that a solution? Well, I guess, like we said, the World Cup's going to be a bigger factor. The big factor is the fact that he's away. We don't know how long for. It depends on how Portugal get on. The other factor is, of course, now that he, he will just be on international duty. So United can't really resolve that. That's going to be you know hanging there. And obviously, they're going to have to meet all sort of officials and at all levels, they've got to decide what happens. Obviously, we're recording this on the Monday. These quotes coming out about the Glazers tonight... We don't know how serious, like how you know, serious they're going to be. How 
how strong the quotes are going to be on that. But if you are publicly calling out your employees, the, ma- the men who sanctions signing you and, you know, then that is another element of all this. That is, you know, he's a paid employee, the highest paid employee by Manchester United. And if he's calling out the owners as well, then that adds a, a whole new element. I think everyone knows the bridges are burned. He has to go. He just has to go. It has to has to end some way or another. Like we said, there's the moral principle of it that United shouldn't have to feel they've got to terminate his contract because that's what he wants. And, you know, United needs to be in control of this situation. Like we said, I I, I think a lot of fans would say, yeah, just put him in the, in the reserves and just make him trade by himself and just don't give him the satisfaction of having a fresh start until his contract's up at the end of the season. But, you know... The money they're spending on him and you know is he in breach of contract there's so much legality in all of it could united get through a loophole of just being able to release him without having to sort of pay him off you know there's so much they've got to go through paperwork and and find that all out over the next month but i think in terms of what his next step will be is it's obvious he has to move on from united but he's going to be approaching 38 like we said he could crash out of the world cup early could go far who's going to want him there's going to be those sort of lower no, no disrespect to Sporting, but those sort of second tier teams who will will see him still as a key player and a huge coup for them to get for Sporting Lisbon. There's a you know it'd be a symbolic return to him, but again financially, Ronaldo would have to make that personal sacrifice and uh, and there'd have to be you know a compromise somewhere for that to actually happen. So it is really unclear to see where his next step will be, but it seems certain that that next step will be away from Manchester United because it just can't continue like this. He's already gone way beyond you know, breaking point. And like I said, these next quotes that could come out could real, really be the fair, final nail in the coffin. And particularly if he is criticising the owners publicly while he's still employed by the club, that would be something unheard of during the Glazers' time at the club. Now, chaps, it's actually not a Ronaldo special, believe it or not. We have got a game to talk about briefly um, because United did win 2-1 at Creevy Cottage on Sunday afternoon. Obviously, Christian Eriksen scored the goal. It had to be Dan James that scored the equaliser. And it was a poor second performance tie. It was quite underwhelming. It looked like the points were going to be shared. And then Ganacho, 18-year-old, the pace, the finish to, to get the three points. It was fantastic. He seems a little bit special, doesn't he? He really does, yeah. He really does. He, the last couple of weeks, he has been so so good. He was he was good in the youth cup last year and looked he looked a talent at that point. He he looks the real deal now this season. He's he's been exceptional. He's he's had a bit of tough love from the club. Obviously, he was you know he was the player who, who missed. He didn't play at all on tour and was twice late for team meetings. And I think it's telling that Ten Hag and Bruno Fernandez have called him out publicly for that lack of discipline and focus and. It felt telling again yesterday that Ten Hag talked about the danger of him going away for four weeks and, and not being at the World Cup in terms of his, his focus. And there is clearly a concern there, at least at United. But on the pitch, he just looks absolutely electric. He looks phenomenal. Um, he was very good in the first half against Sociedad a few weeks ago when he scored. You know, I didn't really pose a threat second half. He was decent at Villa in a losing cause. And then this week, his, his half an hour against Villa in the League Cup was absolutely electric. I mean, he just... He took the fight to them, didn't he? He just lit he lit the place up. He, he set the place on fire with the, the way he played that game. And the the assist for McTominay's goal was was sensational. And then his goal yesterday was just yeah, I mean it's hard to do justice to it, really. When what's near I mean, Rich was there yesterday. I was I was watching on telly when Dunn City on Saturday and watching watching it on telly when Ericsson played that ball back to him, I thought, well, oh, that's not the right ball. He's never getting that. And then all of a sudden he just flew past that defender. 
And I think what when it kind of happened, I said to me, yeah, the keeper should have come for that. And then you kind of look at it and you think, well, the keeper's not come for that because he thinks the defender's getting it. And then suddenly from nowhere, Garnaccio gets there. And to be running at that speed and then be able to slow down and put that finish away, it was a, a special, special bit of play. It really was. Um, and Coutinho near, turned 18 in July. He looks he looks like he's going right to the top, doesn't he? We don't want to put too much pressure on him, despite him just said that. But he does look <laughs> a, a, real, um, a real special player. But yeah, it, it wasn't a convincing performance. They were... Decent first half, under quite a bit of pressure second half. They still managed to create a lot of chances, but in terms of quality, it wasn't a, a great performance. It, it was a real pick and mix of a performance, wasn't it? <laughs> well, Rich, I'm sorry, but you've got to tell the pick and mix uh, story now. Okay, so, set the scene. So, myself and Chris Wheeler from Daily Mail, we arrive at Craven Cottage, battle through the Fulham traffic. There's no parking in, in that area of London at all. There's no club car parking the only car parking they've got is was taken by Sky Sports at a primary school. So there is no car parking. So we're flustered. We've walked about a mile to the stadium, get in about an hour and a half before kickoff. One of the perks of being impressed at Premier League is you do get fed. Now, the, the Fulham, full, there wasn't much left. So they're sort of scraping the rice for me. I got a very small portion of curry that I wasn't very pleased about. And I was looking for snacks. I was scouting around the press room looking for snacks. I had spoken to my friend beforehand. He said, make sure you get the pick and mix at Fulham. Make sure that is one of the one of the advantages. So there was free glass containers of pick and mix, but there was no there was no vessel for my sweets. And I was like, well, I need to put my pick and mix in something. So I went to the uh, hot drink section, got a empty carton of PG tips, poured that in the bin. I don't really like PG tips anyway. Took it over to the pick and mix and the Fulham catering lady who i believe was german came over and told me off said you can't do that you cannot put pick a mix in the cup took the cup off me and put it in the bin so I've, I've just been told off for trying to have too many sweets in the press room and she said you have to have napkin so you've then got a paper napkin like you're at a kid's uh, birthday party and she said you've got to put the sweets in the napkin which so you can get about four you can get about four sweets on this piece of napkin i was like well i want to take them to the out to the stand I want to watch the football and munch away on on these very sour sweets. So I was a bit flustered and I was like, I was late. And I was like, well, I need to get up for team news. So I went to um, the, the furthest glass container. I was like, oh, I'll just get some jelly beans. And I went to scoop the jelly beans and unbeknown to me, accidentally knocked the glass container off the pedestal <laughs> and it smashed everywhere. <laughs> so all the jelly beans <laughs> went all over the counter, all over the floor. There were shards of glass involved. The German woman was furious at this point. She was she was livid. Not only had I tried to take all the jelly beans, I then soiled them for everyone else. There was no other sort of container available. So they had to bin all the jelly beans, bin all the glass, and the pick and mix was cancelled for the rest of the day. But well, let's, let's all Fulham get relegated, Rich, because you're not getting invited back. <laughs> no, yeah. So it, it was one of the only... I mean, I, not as a United for myself. I did... I was like... Oh God, gone! Actually, you've you've bailed me out here. You, you know, it's victory for us for his Northerners in that one. But yeah, it was a quite a intense start to the day for me. So I, yeah, I was I was all over the place till about half time, and then yeah, I finally mellowed down, got got to writing. But yeah, it was as I said, a pick and mix performance. There was some individual. I mean, unsung heroes. I thought Martinez and De Gea were both brilliant. I thought De Gea made some maybe not amazing saves in terms of defying ones, the ones that no other keeper would make, but he made a string of big saves to mm. 
to keep form at bay. Martinez was heading away everything that came into the box. Malassia at left at right back, sorry, was understandable because he's not a right back, but he was torn to shreds by William all all game. Elanga on the right, yeah, I didn't agree with that start either. But it was interesting what Ty said there about the attitude because I remember when Elanga broke through. Fernandez gave an interview saying that Elanga's really mature and we can't believe how down to earth and driven he is and he's got a great work ethic. And that's probably why he starts over Garnacho because he is maybe more of a reliable output. The output might not be greater than Garnacho's, but he may be a bit of a safer choice. So I understand why that happened. Uh, the first goal, though, was just the midfield brilliance. Casemiro's tackle, uh, Ericsson gets it, gives it to Fernandez. I think Fernandez had a shot himself, but it deflected into Ericsson. And it was just a day that, you know, on the other side, you had Andreas Pereira, someone who, who played decently, but lacked the end product. And he was sort of trying to prove a point of, you know, maybe I should have been the midfielder who they kept in the mid in the summer and they should have sold Donny van der Beek. He, he did play with a point to prove, but in the end, United's midfield quality did shine through. And yeah, it was a, a gritty game. I don't think United deserved to win it, but the fact they've done it again is such a testament to what Ten Hag's put in place because we've seen, you know, the Everton game, saw the Southampton game, Leicester, seen this, United, West Ham as well. United have just found a way to hold on and win these gritty games. And yeah, fantastic, fantastic trait. He keeps talking about the togetherness, doesn't he, after the games? It's evident on the pitch. Some really spirited performances. Um, Ty, just to end the podcast, can you remember what grade that you give uh, Ten Hag on Friday afternoon? Uh, I think it was a B, wasn't it? Was it a B? So, Rich, obviously, you wouldn't have listened because you're a busy man. But uh, on Friday afternoon, I asked Samuel and Ty for the for their grades for, for a school report halfway through the season for Ten Hag. So, to end the podcast, 26 points to beat Fulham on Sunday. How would you assess this half of the season? Are we allowed pluses and minuses? Oh, of course. I, I'd say a B minus for me. Um, I mean, it depends how high you rank in an A, doesn't it? Is it A top of the league? Is it top four already? I think there's been a lot of a progress. There's been a lot going ready, going steady for United. But there is still, even the Fulham game, you realise that top four probably still is the ambition. Because a couple of weeks ago, we were saying, well, they've got to be finishing third now. They're, be- they're below City and Arsenal and they look as good as really Chelsea and Tottenham, Liverpool are on the rise again. But there's still a lot of work to do, a lot of progress. And yeah, for me, it's a B minus, but there's a lot more to be positive about the negative, I'd say, for United at the, this moment in time. And it's just a shame that a, a good spirited win that's rounded off by an academy talent is is soon forgotten about and tainted really by, by Ronaldo. Thank you very much for your time then, gents. We'll end it there. Thank you, Tyrone. Thank you, Stephen. And thank you, Rich. Thank you very much. And if any of the listeners are getting pick and mixes anytime soon, just be very careful when you're picking out the sweets. Take care. Thank you. Thank you.